uh, we, today we're going to jump into the message and, and, and close the series that, that I started, my first series, Here is Your Pastor. Um, woohoo! Somebody cheered, so you're glad I'm here. We're, we're five, five weeks in, um, and, and I, we haven't burned the place down. I haven't been kicked out yet, so I mean, that's a good thing. That's a win in my book. Um, my first series, no one threw anything at me, so we're good. Uh, hopefully. Don't throw stuff. That's not nice. Um, it's after today, you may want to. So um, we're in this series called The Focus. And, and again, one more time, let me tell you why. As I was praying and preparing my heart for coming and being the shepherd here at Christ the King Ferndale, I said, God, even before I knew that, I said, God, what, how do you want me to lead? What's the focus? G- give me, give me the, 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 the words to say, the banner to hang up, the, the, the book to write. I simply downloaded in my heart, Adam, if you do nothing else, do these two things. Love God and love people. And honestly, and, and through church time, and we as Christ the King as a network have an incredible vision statement. You hear churches with visions and mission statements, and these are all great things. But, but if I want to make it as simple as possible for you and I to understand, it's right here. Love God, love people. If, if you could say anything else, what, what are you about as a Christian? I'm here to love God and love people. That is really what this is all about. Sometimes we can complicate that, can't we? And make it about all these other things. Maybe sometimes we go political with it. Maybe sometimes uh, uh, we go uh, under the social side. This is what it's about. Love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And love your neighbor as yourself. If we do that right, we're doing what God's called us to do. We're going to see God do some great things in and amongst us as a church. We're here to love God and love people. And I really broke that down um, into, into four areas. We're here to love God through the way we worship and through our devotion. We're going to worship God with all we have, and we're going to devote our lives to him. We're going to grow. We're going to dig into God's word. We're going to love people through the way we do community. We talked last week about loneliness and, and how God has put us together as a family, that we're to reach out and pull people in. Come join us. Today, we're going to talk about this last one, generosity. I know the one you've been waiting for, your favorite. And each of these, I've given you an assignment, a task, should you choose to accept it. I'm not going to ask you to turn in your work or check you and grade you later. This is between you and Jesus. But we ask in, in the worship that you would just come ready. As you walk through the door, say, Jesus, I'm coming ready to worship. Hold nothing back. In the devotion time, about the devotion, all I asked was that, that you read God's word more tomorrow than you did today, more next week than you did this week. Just dig into God's word a little bit more. Read, read an, another verse, maybe, or read it at all. Read God's word because it's in this we find out who he is and what he does. So that was your assignment, read God's word. Uh, last week in the community, I gave you the assignment to bring somebody with you. Bring somebody into community because our world is full of very lonely people. We're a family, and we need to be a generous family and say, come on in, come join us. We're here together. So, so those are your assignments. I'm going to give you the fourth one today as we talk about generosity, how we can be generous, and how we live. Um, but before I do that, there was one really big announcement that you, you need to know. This last Wednesday was my birthday. I know. Hey, you can cheer. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. I know, I know, I know, I know, I know. Uh, it's a birthday week, by the way, so if you didn't get me a gift yet, uh, can you, it's not too late, not too late. Um, I know you've made the chili for us, so I, 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 I joke, do, do not get me anything. Uh, I had a great birthday, my family blessed me, uh, many of you uh, sent messages, thank you, thank you. But it got me thinking about gift giving, and I need to ask this little survey. Do you like to get gifts or give gifts better? I know what the Jesus answer is, but just be honest with me. How many of you are like, I, I, I like to get gifts. Just give me gifts. 
Anybody? See, no one's afraid. Okay, so join me because you see my hands up. Like, I love getting gifts, right? I, I, getting gifts is, is a, a, like a love language. There you go, Evan. You're with me. Um, my, one of my love languages is gift giving. Like, you give me a gift, I'm like, it tells me you love me. This is great, right? No shame in that. I don't want stuff, and I don't, I, it's not what it's about. It's just it's that, that act that I'm here for you. So, you know, there's that. But let's be honest, and now we can be serious. The giving part, there's something, how many of you are givers? Like, I just want to give. Like the vast majority. Why? Because it feels good. There's something about it when I do that, and, and I give you a gift and watch your face light up. I'm like, oh, that made my day. Uh, my love language is getting gifts, but there's just something special about going above and beyond, giving somebody, blessing somebody, and those random acts of generosity, right? And, and none of you do this, but, but sometimes I get stuck in, I watch reels, and next thing you know, it's like 20 minutes later, like, I, I just wasted my life. I'm watching, re- anybody reel watchers? Come on, let's be honest, there's a few, few of you. We can, we can do one of these, right? Yeah, I know. <laughs> sometimes I get caught in that, and I was watching a reel the other day, which if you don't know what a reel is, it's just like short video segments, um, Sometimes they're funny, sometimes they're serious. I was watching one, and this guy drives up. Uh, he's, he's in this SUV, drives up to a homeless guy and says, hey, listen, what can I do to bless you today? And the guy goes, hey, just a couple bucks to, to buy some coffee. And he goes, no, 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 what can I do to bless you? And the guy's like, I guess you could like, get a hotel room for me. He's like, done, where do you want to get a hotel? He's like, well, there's, there's a cheap one right there. He'll just get me off the streets tonight. He's like, done. And then, then, then he uh, grabs his brand new pair of shoes and hands them to the guy. And then he grabs some food and hands it to the guy. And, and, and the, the, the homeless guy is sitting there, and his face changed. He's like, this morning I prayed that God would help me because I can't do this anymore. And, and you're here. And it, everything the guy handed him, like these shoes and this, this, this food, the guy kept saying, God heard me. God heard me. He just, just over and over kept repeating in this reel. God heard me. God heard me. God heard me. And I watched that going, what is it about living generously that causes people to see Jesus? I don't know that that was this guy's intention, who was, who was doing the blessing. I, I don't know. The reel doesn't, it's too short. We don't know the history. But what happened was that homeless guy immediately knew this is from God. Here's the deal. As we give, as we live generously, here's my main point. Generosity is one of the most Christ-like ways we can live. Why? Because Jesus gave first. Jesus gave his life for you and I. If, if you're here and you don't know that yet, look at me. If you're watching online, watch this. Jesus loves you, and he gave his life for you. He died on a cross for your sin. And when we live generous with what he gave us in the first place, Everything I have is, is his. Everything you own is his. When I live generously, it's one of the most Christ-like things we can do. Our gospel is a gospel of generosity. And when we talk about loving people, the last message in this series of focus is a challenge to you and I. Let's live generously with all that we have all that we do, our time, talent, treasure, all the stuff that, we, that makes us us, that God created in us, what would it look like if CTK Ferndo said, I'm all in, I'm going to live generously. I'm going to bless. Everybody I get a chance to bless. It's the most Christ-like thing we can do. Not for the good feelings we get. We want to be generous to point to Jesus. Amen. Grab your Bible. If you have your Bible, open up to Luke chapter 10. 
We're going to dig into this a little bit. And in fact, purposefully, I've been, I was planning this at the beginning. We started with the question to Jesus, what is the greatest commandment? And we're going to end this series with the same one. A, a little, we started in Matthew's version of, of the great, great commandment, the asking. We're going to start, we're going to end in Luke's version of that same account. Luke chapter 10, we're going to start in verse 25. But before I do, um, and I do this all the time, I, I want to pray before I read the word of God. When you read God's word, Pray, just a simple prayer. God, speak to me. Open my heart, let me hear. And that's simply why, why we pray. So would you bow with me before we read God's word? Lord, I pray that these words would be true in our hearts. Speak to us. Soften the hardest heart in this place. Reveal to us your truth and your way. As we dig into your word, show us your truth. Because we know that truth will set us free. Help us to be a people who live lives of generosity. In Jesus' name, everybody said? Luke chapter 10, jumping in at verse 25. The most important commandment is the title of this section in my Bible. It says, One day an expert in religious law stood up to Jesus to test Jesus by asking him this question. Teacher, what should I do to inherit eternal life? Great question, right? What do I need to do to live forever? What do I need to do to be in heaven with you? And Jesus replied with a question because Jesus was the best question asker ever. He never actually gave everybody their answer. He made them think. He made them think. I love it. Jesus replied, what does the law of Moses say? How do you read it? The man answered, the, 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 uh, the lawyer, the, the expert in law, answered, you must love the Lord your God with all your heart with all your soul, with all your strength, and all your mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. What, what he's saying right here, and we talked about this a few weeks ago, you can go back and listen, this is the Shema, and, and, and the, the, all the kids, in, in the Hebrew kids, the Israelites, they would learn this at a very, very young age. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. They would learn that, they'd memorize it. So having that answer for the lawyer wasn't difficult. He probably had that memorized the, the bulk of his life said, well, yeah, this is it. Love God with everything you are. And he says, and love your neighbor as yourself. This is something this lawyer has learned through all of the other things. So that is what it is. And Jesus says this, right, great job, A plus, you pass. Right answer. Right, Jesus told him, do this and you will live. So this is our assignment. This is where we get the love God and love people part of, of this focus. And then we get to verse 29. And none of you would ever, you're way more holy than I. But the lawyer asked this question. The man wanted to justify, everybody say justify. The man wanted to justify his actions, so he asked Jesus, who's my neighbor? Think about this question back to Jesus. There is only one reason you feel you need to justify your actions if those actions are in question at all. Jesus never questioned his actions. This was the Holy Spirit speaking to the lawyer like, oh, I, don't, I don't know. I don't know if my whole life lines up. Jesus, uh, I, I don't know because we know what the law says. I, I, I need to find out. So who is my neighbor? And here's why. The Jewish leaders, the, 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 law, the teachers of law, most all Jewish people, uh, considered themselves to be the most important nation on the planet because they're created by God. Like, okay, sure. But they would also say this. 
this would now give me right to treat everybody else like dogs. I know you treat your dogs better than that. To treat them like rats. There you go. There's something better, right? They would have these rights. So, so maybe he was trying to justify the way he was living. He said, so who, who's my neighbor, right? And then Jesus answers in a parable. The master storyteller answers in a parable, perhaps the most popular, well-known parable we've ever heard. If you've been to church any length of time, you've probably heard a sermon on the Good Samaritan, right? If you haven't, guess what? I get to read it to you. It's so great. It's so good. Here's what Jesus said. Jesus replied with a story. A Jewish man was traveling on a trip from Jerusalem to Jericho, and he was attacked by bandits. They stripped him of his clothes, beat him up, and left him half dead beside the road. By chance, a priest came along, but when he saw the man lying there, he crossed to the other side of the road and passed him by. A temple assistant walked over and looked at him lying there, but he also passed by to the other side. Then a despised Samaritan, Jesus says despised, not because he despised them, but because the Jewish people despised Samaritans. You saying then a despised Samaritan came along, and when he saw the man, he felt compassion for him. Going over to him, the Samaritan soothed his wounds with olive oil and wine, bandaged them. Then he put the man on his own donkey and took him to an inn where he took care of him. The next day, he handed the innkeeper two silver coins, telling, telling him, take care of this man. If his bill runs higher than this, I'll pay you the next time I'm here. Jesus then strikes out into the best-known story in the Bible that most of us know. And if you read this, and, and you're like me, I immediately jump in and go, this priest and this temple assistant, those selfish dogs, they're filthy. They're terrible, terrible people. They're the worst, right? You read this and go, who in their right mind would cross the other side? Like, like you guys don't even understand. There's somebody dying over there, and you cross the other side, and immediately when we say that, we automatically say this word. I would never, right? Okay, maybe it's just me. I would never do that. And then the Holy Spirit says, really? And I have to listen to that voice. Really? Ne never, Adam. And, and I don't know if you have conversations with God this way. He's not trying to, to judge me or tell me I'm a terrible person. We're just like, think about this for a moment. I, I think sometimes we're really hard on this priest and, and this uh, temple assistant. And, and we're just like, like, we would never be like that, right? Jesus tells a story about two radically different responses to somebody in need, broken and hurting and dying. Two radical responses. And I think in looking at these a little closer, we might find in ourselves some truth of maybe why we're more like them than we think we are and how we can live more generously. I, I want to I look uh, real carefully at this uh, priests and temple assistant, these Jewish people. Uh, why did they do what they did? What was their motive? Why would they cross the other side? Were they just completely heartless and hard and terrible, terrible people? M maybe. But maybe they had some good excuses. I know you and I never do, but, but maybe they did. I, I just want to look at a few of these. The first one would be this. Why would they cross the other side? Maybe they, they considered it, it was going to take too much time. 
It would cost me, cost me too much time, and I have important things to do. This, this temple assistant and this, this, this priest, they had an important job. Their job in the temple was to assist with the people worshiping. Like, if I didn't get to my job, then maybe somebody couldn't worship the way they need to worship. They had important things to do. They had tasks they had to, 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 to go do. And this road that they were on, is, it's called the Jericho Road, wasn't an easy road to walk down. I don't know if you've ever studied it. It, it looks similar to that. It's not, not like a road like you and I drive our cars on. They, they, they didn't have cars back then, by the way. If you didn't know, they didn't have cars in Bible times, just so you know. And um, make that clear right now. Uh, this road was very interesting. It was about, about 17 miles long, about 17, 18 miles long, with an elevation gain between Jericho and Jerusalem of about 3,600 feet. Like, that's a good hike, right? That's a decent hike. But not only that, it was, it's completely in the beat-hot sun with very little space to get out of the sun. There's sometimes some, uh, maybe a tree here or there, or maybe there's a, an, an alcove of rocks you could kind of sneak away. But, but you look at this road. This took a lot of times. They, they figure that, that the, uh, the road between Jericho and Jerusalem would take somebody roughly 8 to 10 hours, a good part of your day to get there. Now, now if you left a little bit late, you're in trouble, right? This is a long journey. And if you're going from one to the other, whether these guys were going to the temple or back, they, they had a lot to do. So we look at that and say, they said, this is probably going to cost us a lot of time, and we got important stuff to do, godly stuff to do. I'll help them another time. I just need to pass right now because i got to get where I'm going to go. I, I, I wonder how many times I, in my life, I've seen somebody hurting, and I was just too busy to get where I needed to go. I had good excuse, right? They got important things to do. I got to help a lot more people. I'll help one person here, or I help a lot of people over here. I, I, don't, I don't know, but maybe, maybe they just found a reason to justify, another word again, their importance for their time. Have I ever used that excuse? I want to say no, but I know the truth. Maybe, maybe this priest and this temple assistant thought it might cost too much emotionally. There might be too much emotional investment in that. And maybe they're already tired with what they had going on. There's a lot of stress for this. Maybe they walked by on this road, this Jericho road that's just dry and dusty and going about their business. And this road was notorious for this kind of thing. When Jesus tells this story, it was a story not that he was making up, but they had seen this all the time. Maybe this priest, maybe this temple assistant said, well, there's another victim. Bummer for them. But I can't help everybody, right? I can't, I can't be everywhere. I, I can't do everything. Maybe, maybe when I get back, we can talk to the government officials and, 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 and create some kind of law that'll help them later. I don't know, but maybe there was so much emotional uh, baggage that they had from seeing this all the time, they became numb to it. I wonder if sometimes we ever get the same. Our world is full of broken people, isn't it? And it's really easy just to say, that's another one, that's too bad. That's terrible. And maybe we don't drive our car to the other side of the road, but we just keep going. I, I don't, I'm, I really want to say that I would never do that. 
The, the stress of, of helping this guy for these, the priest and this the temple assistant would be, would be a lot to carry. Because now, if you picked up this guy, it's going to slow you down. And you know what going slow on this road does? Makes you a target. And the stress level now. Whoop, maybe that emotional stress was just like, if I take you, I endanger my own. No, we, we just, I'll leave you there. You're pretty much dead anyway. Maybe somebody else will help you. Maybe I'll get you on the way back. I, I, I don't know, but, but maybe the emotional expense was too much. Ever heard of the word compassion fatigue? I think sometimes we see all this stuff on the news, and, and even we prayed about it earlier, it, 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 what's happening in Israel. Maybe we just, like, another war in the Middle East. Man, those people. I, 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 don't, I don't know, but I think sometimes I can have... So I, it may cost too much time. It, it may cost too much emotionally. Or, or probably the one that we've all thought about is it's going to cost too much financially. If I help this guy, it's going to be expensive. I got I to gotta help him all the way to the city and, and I got to take care of him there and it's going to cost money to, 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 to bandage him and, and get him where he needs to go. There's just there's a lot of money there and I'm I, I, sorry, I left my, my credit card at home. I had nothing I can do, right? I, it's not what he said, but you, you, may, maybe what we understand is that to help this guy probably would cost a couple days wages to really help him. And maybe they looked at that and said... I'll go do my job, I'll get paid, and I'll get you on the way back. Sometimes, maybe it's too much financially. I really believe, I hope I don't ever make that excuse, but I don't know, maybe I, maybe I have. There's a lot of reasons we can be hard on these two legitimate reasons that they might pass to the other side. At the end of the day, they pass to the other side. Jesus' story here is to, to, to showcase to this lawyer, these are your people. <laughs> this could be you. I don't know, but I'm assuming maybe this guy had that same experience recently. When Jesus tells these stories, he tells stories that would really hit home. Maybe that lawyer did that same thing recently. I, I, I don't know. Bible doesn't tell us. What I know is Jesus is making a point. The priest and the Levi pass to the other side. And then comes the Samaritan, that filthy, no good Samaritan who, who the Jewish people hated, they spat on, they treated terribly. Jesus cho chooses this one, the Samaritan, to teach us generosity. This lawyer would have been fuming. You and I go, hey, it's just a Samaritan, way to go. But this lawyer got the picture. But Jesus tells this story. And I think when we study the Samaritan, what we can understand is that, that Jesus teaches us something through the Samaritan on how to live generously. How to live in such a way where the excuses don't stop us from living generously, from blessing others. This good Samaritan, what we know about him from the story and what Jesus tells is this, that he had the emotional capacity. He, he had... Um, the emotional capacity. He didn't, he didn't see an enemy. He could have. This Samaritan had every right to kick this, this Jewish guy and maybe push him off the cliff to finish the job because that's how they treated him. But somehow, in some way, he was, the Bible tells us he was moved with compassion. He felt compassion for him. Somehow, he, in his heart, he made room for somebody who hated him. 
This, this Samaritan saw all the same things everybody else saw on this road. This wasn't the first time the Samaritan saw somebody beaten, left for dead. But somehow, in some way, he walks by and says, I can't do nothing anymore. And so he goes over and has that emotional capacity. I, I, don't, I know a, a great illustration for this. And again, I'm not the first to say this, uh, tell this story and to tell you this illustration. You probably heard it before. If you haven't, I just made it up. It's really good. Um, you'll get that later. Um, There's a story about this guy who's walking down a beach and all these starfish are been washed up from the storm and they're all dying on the beach. And, and, and he's just walking down the beach just as far as you can see, starfish. And, and he's, as he walks, he'll pick one up and just kind of throw it back in the water in the ocean. He'll walk a little more and throw another one in. And, and, and another guy's standing back there and he's watching this first guy thinking, you are wasting your time. He goes up to the man and says, listen, do you see that there's thousands? There, there's just, there's more. Your little one act you can't even make a dent in, what, in these starfish's life. And the first guy, after hearing that, picks up another starfish and he looks at it a second and throws it in the, in, in the ocean and says, made a difference in that one. I, I know you've heard that story before, but that every time I hear that, this is what it means to have the emotional capacity where I don't see, I, I'm not overwhelmed with everything. I say, I can do something for this one. I can help this one because a lot of times we let that, that, that emotional weight hold us down that we don't help any. Jesus isn't asking you to help every hurting person on the world, but he is asking you to help somebody. Do we have the emotional capacity? How do we do that? How do we keep that kind of a heart? We keep that heart of compassion by, by simply praying every day, God, keep my heart soft. God, soften my heart. Soften my heart today that I would see people the way you see people. That I would look at my finances the way you look at them. That I would look at the broken the way you look at them. This, somehow this good Samaritan had the emotional capacity. This good Samaritan also had, had margin in his time. He was in a hurry. Scholars actually believe that, that he was either going one way or the other, taking all his stuff up to the city to sell it, to make money and buy the right things to bring back to his family or, or vice versa, that he had important things to do to, to keep his family fed and, and bring all this stuff back down. He, he was in a hurry. And this man, as he goes by, he didn't stop and look, at, and look at this broken Jewish man beaten and left for dead and say, do I have the time? That's not the question he asked. The question he asked was, what can I do? Very different questions, isn't it? I don't ask, like, do I have the time to do this? Like, look at my schedule, and if I, if I go here, and I need to do this, and I need to get all this stuff back there. He didn't ask the question if he had time. He asked, he asked what he could do. I think sometimes we can be so busy that we, we ask first, do I even have the time to do this? I'll get back to him later, right? Same excuses that the priests were using. Have you ever read, there's a little book that, that changed, changed my life, um, but it's called Tyranny of the Urgent. You ever read this? It's a book about how all of these, uh, these urgent things in life crying for your attention will drown out the important things you need to be doing with your life. And we as humans have a tendency to focus on these urgent cryings as the important things get put aside. Hey, we're, we've all been guilty of it. He, 
he, he had the, 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 the capacity, the margin in his time to say, I know I have to be somewhere. I know I have to bring this stuff. But this is important. And I will take the time. He had that margin. How, how do we, as followers of Jesus who want to live generously, how do we live with this kind of, 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 of generosity in our time? Are you ready? It's going to blow your mind. You ready? Two words. Slow down. That's a sermon in and of itself. Like, we're going to leave. I wanted to preach on that one for another hour, but I don't have the time. I think sometimes we can be so busy going from one thing to another, so distracted, that we don't have the time to help somebody even if they were standing in front of us. I need to learn in my time to create margin where I can see the important and quiet the urgent. This this Samaritan had, had, had margin in his time. How do you how do you live generously? Create margin. Pray God softens your heart. And the third one, as I read about this good Samaritan and, and read this story over and over, and I read it several times this week, he had what I'm calling the habit of generosity. I don't think you do what he did by accident. I don't think you do what he did just, ah, I think I'll just do this. Did you, do you hear what we read earlier? I, I want to read it again, because this will blow your mind if you're really thinking about it. Here's what the Good Samaritan did. Ready? Then a despised Samaritan came along, and when he saw the man, he felt compassion on him. Going over to him, the Samaritan soothed his wounds with olive oil and wine. You ever ask where he got that olive oil and wine? Some people believe that he actually went up and took his goods to sell and bought that to bring it back to his family. This is stuff they needed. The, the olive oil would soothe the, the scarring and the hurting, and the wine would be, the alcohol would be like a disinfectant. Either this guy just bought it to bring back to his family and now using it, or he traveled with an emergency first aid kit. I, I don't know. If he did that, he had the habit because he knew this could happen. So he brought the oil and, and, and the, 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 the wine and, and it started to soothe him. And, and then he said, it says, then he bandaged this man's wound. Again, either he has a first aid kit or he just went to buy a bunch of cloth to make new clothes for his kids and that's what he's tearing up to put on this man. I, I, I don't know, but he got it from somewhere. He, he begins to bandage this man with his very own clothing and, and material. It, think about this. And, and then the man put him on his own donkey. We already know that's going to slow him down. But either the, the, the Samaritan was riding the donkey to speed things up, and now he's got to put the man on, get off, walk the rest of the way, or the donkey had all the stuff and was carrying it. He had to take some of that off, carry it himself, and put the man on the donkey. Either way, this man's act of generosity by putting him on his own donkey was radical. So he put him on his own donkey, took him to an inn where he took care of him. Took him to the inn. He took care of him. Now, now look at the ne- next words. The next day. He spent the night nursing this guy back to health. Like, that's not an accident. Like, you and I would, like, take him to the hospital. Here you go. Your job. I, we did my job. I, they, they didn't have that back then. He took him to this inn, paid for the inn, and nursed him all night long to help bring him back to health. This is, this is not just normal generosity. This man had a habit of generosity. And then he handed him two silver coins, which was a couple days' wage, and said, you take care of him for as long as he needs, and when I come back, I'll pay for the rest if he's got more of a bill. That is radical generosity. 
This is like mind-blowing. This, to me, when I read this story, as Jesus is telling us, like, this is not the first time this Samaritan could possibly be doing this. There is a radical generosity Jesus is telling us about in this. It is a habit. This Samaritan didn't ask if he could afford it. He asked what he had the opportunity to do. Like, that is a generosity that I want to have in my life. How do we do this? We've got to work at cultivating on a daily basis. I'm, I'm going to live generously. It doesn't mean that you, 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 you give all your money away every single day. It's just doing something every day. I want to serve somebody. God, open my eyes. To the need. I, got, I, I, have, I have this capacity. I'm going to create a financial margin here where I can do this. We, we read in here two very different responses to broken people. Remember our focus to love God and love people. If we're going to love people, we got to live generously with what we have, our time, our treasure, our gifts, our abilities, how we respond. And then look at Jesus' words as I close. Here's what he says. Verse 36. Jesus now, as he does telling the story, turns to the, the, the lawyer and says, now which of these three would you say was a neighbor to the man who, who was attacked by bandits? There's one obvious answer, and we better all get this one right. The lawyer, I don't know how he responds, but in my mind, he's like, because remember, he's trying to justify himself. He says, the one who showed him mercy. And then Jesus says these words, and I want you to underline them. I want you to highlight them. I want you to live by them. Jesus says, yes. Now go and do the same. I believe those words are not just for this lawyer, but for you and I. Now go and do the same. That's radical generosity. That's uncomfortable generosity. I don't know if I'm to that level yet, God. Remember, when I, every time I preach, I'm not preaching for perfection that you need to be this Samaritan every single day. I just want to be a little more generous today than I was yesterday. God, open my eyes a little bit more. Slow me down a little bit. Help me to find a little bit of margin. Jesus says, go and do the same. When we live generously, there is a blessing that God pours in our lives. How do I know this? Proverbs eleven twenty five says this, the generous will prosper. Those who refresh others will themselves be refreshed. When we give, we get that feeling because it's a blessing from God. Listen, if you give to get a blessing back, you're gonna end up bitter. Because when we give and say, okay, I'm gonna give because I really need a blessing today, what, what's gonna happen is you're gonna start looking for this blessing and what you're gonna, what's gonna happen is you're gonna see God blessing everybody else and you're gonna get angry. God, that's the blessing that I deserved. We don't give to be blessed. We give because God asks us to and in so doing, there's a refreshing. God, I live open-handed with all my money, my stuff. And there's something refreshing about not having to fight to keep it. God, it's your blessing. It's your stuff. So I close with this challenge. The challenge of generosity. Between now and Christmas, I'm challenging you to give. I just want you to be generous. I want you to give. Yes. Ready? Here's, here's where you get angry at a pastor. Yes, I'm talking about tithes and offerings. And as soon as I say that, somebody in this room says, there he goes again. There goes the pastor asking for money. I don't want your money. Jesus asked us to live generous, and the best way that I have seen in my life to know how to live generously is when I, I, I give regularly. 
I'm just, I'm just saying that when, when I tithe, and, and if, you, if you don't go to this church, tithe to your home church. Why? Because what we get to be part of is incredible. I had some meetings this week where, did, did you know our church, and maybe you do, but I learned it this week because I'm new. Um, it, we, we support regularly, a, a fairly substantial amount to this organization called Be The One. They mentor kids in, in high school and help them succeed. We give so that can happen. <laughs> like, I, I, I was sitting in the office learning this going, I get to be part of that? Oh, yeah. We, we, we give regularly to the, the Ferndale Food Bank so people can have food. This, all my prayer is that, that, and I pray this every time, that, that all, of, all that we do goes to, to bless the kingdom of God and that people will get saved. That's what this is about. The, the, the greatest way that I know how to live generously is to tithe. And here's my challenge. Between now and Christmas, I want you to find a way to give. Maybe you are a regular tither. Ask God to open your eyes. Maybe you've never given before, and you say, I'm going to try. I'll, I'll, I'll try this. Here's the deal. As soon as, as soon as I start talking about giving, I know, I know this stuff happens. I, I challenge us to be generous because I want more for you than I want from you. This is what Jesus asks us to be part of. He invites us to be part of this kind of generosity. And here, here, here's what would be easy to do if, if, uh, if I was a pastor. I'd ask the ushers to come down. They're going to pass the buckets, and we're going to take an offering right now. <laughs> no! I'm not going to do that. Because what you, what you do in response to this generosity is between you and Jesus, not you and Adam. My challenge to you is to go home and talk to Jesus. God, what do you want me to do? Where do I get that directive? 2 Corinthians 9, 7. You must each decide in your heart how much to give and don't give reluctantly or in response to pressure. Paul's saying this. For God loves the person who gives cheerfully. Here's what I want you to do. When I say between now and Christmas, I want you to give, I want you to go home. I want you to pray. I want you to meet with your spouse, meet with your family. Ask Jesus, God, what do you want me to do? And let him tell you what to do. Let him challenge you. You know what's going to happen? <laughs> He's going to challenge you to, to maybe where it's a little uncomfortable and you get angry, just like you get angry at a pastor for taking an offering. When I read the Bible, sometimes I get angry at Jesus because he wants me to change. I'm like, no, I don't want to. I, I, what's going to happen is you're going to drive away to the chili feed and you're going to see somebody in need and God's going to move on your heart and you say, oh, maybe I can do something. What's going to happen is, is this week at work, you're going to see your coworker broken over something that happened, and you're going to say, I, I have the emotional margin to, to, to have compassion. You know what compassion literally means? To suffer with. That I can sit with my coworker and say, oh, I'm sorry, let me pray for you. I, I don't know. But I will say, saying, asking God what you should do is a very dangerous prayer. Because he will answer. Here's, here's the bottom line, and I close with this. Whether you take all that stuff about this challenge and throw it out the window, that's between you and Jesus. All I'm asking is that you say, God, how can I be more generous? Because what's the main point of my message? Generosity is the most Christ-like thing we can do. When somebody sees you live extravagantly generous, they're going to ask you why. And we have an opportunity to say, because Jesus gave. Everything I have is his. The great commandment, love God, love people, as I close, we need to memorize that, but we'll always lead to the great commission. That I'll go out in the world, make disciples, and let people know about Jesus. That's what this is about at the end of the day. We're going to worship God. We're going to be devoted to him. 
We're, we're, we're going to build community and live in community, and we're going to live generously. What would it look like? And I'll have the worship team come as we close. What would it look like if we affirmed those CTK did those things? If we got to be part of it. I mean, it, it's almost scary the impact we could make on our city, on your friend groups. I pray regularly for this church that God would help us to grow spiritually. He would grow, grow in number. And I know, like, hey, numbers aren't here. They're not, but healthy things grow, right? What would it look like if, if, if the church, big C, us and all the other churches begin to live like this? I love this city. I love this city. I'm looking forward to ways that we can partner with this city more. The, the, the trick-or-treat is not just giving out candy. It's an opportunity to meet people. Supporting the food bank and, and be the one and, and all the other things that, that I, I started making lists of things we can do. Like, do you realize what we get to be part of? Do you realize the impact we could make on a city if we just said, God, I'm all in. I'm in. Here am I. Send me. That's what this message is about. That's what this series is about. And that's what I'm inviting you to join me on this challenge and this journey. All I'm asking is you do something. You don't got to do everything. Do something. As I close, if you're in this room and you don't know this Jesus, who I talked about and this generous Jesus, I, I need you to know he loves you. He sees you. Maybe you're feeling discouraged. Maybe you're feeling tired and lonely. Can I, can I tell you that Jesus sees you? If you hear nothing else I say, can you hear that? He died for you. And to join in with Jesus, I always say is Jesus, I forgive me. I've come my own way, but I believe you're Lord. That prayer changes everything. Would you stand with me as I pray? The worship team is going to lead us in one last song. Then we're going to say goodbye to everybody and go eat chili and get on with our days. But will you do something for me? Will you do whatever it takes to live generously today? Whatever that looks like. Between you and Jesus, let him speak to you. Lord, thank you for this opportunity today to come and worship you. God, I know that some of this stuff that, that we read and talked about may hit close to home and may not be super comfortable, but Jesus, we ask you to have your full way within us. Whatever you're asking us to do, would we listen and obey? Would we follow you? God, if there's anybody in this room who does not yet know you, may they pray this prayer with me. Jesus, come into my life. I've fallen short of your standard, and I need you. I confess you as Lord. God, I pray you do what only you can do within this church. Help us to reach this city, the broken and the hurting, to be outward focused, to love you with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength, and to love our neighbors as ourselves, pointing others to you. Thank you for this incredible congregation, this church, that this is what we're all about. We give it to you in Jesus' name. Everybody said, the worship team is going to lead us in a song, and then we'll be done.